And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Elliot, this interview we taped, I really had a lot of fun doing with uh, Dr. Bobby Brown. Very bright fellow. I hope so. He was a cardiologist well, besides being a baseball player. Yeah, I, I would hope so, too. So we're going to get right to an interview we did with Dr. Bobby Brown, former New York Yankee and American president. How did a guy graduating school in San Francisco end up with the Yankees on the other coast? Well, they actually, San Francisco produced a tremendous number of major league players. You know, Frank Rossetti and Tony Lazari are both from San Francisco. Uh, Lefty Gomez was from just outside of San Francisco. And we just had a tremendous number of players that went to the big leagues out of San Francisco and in, in, the, uh, in the whole Bay Area, really. Were the Yankees a pretty tight-knit team when you came up there in the mid-40s? Because I know in the 70s there was some friction there with the Yankees players. Well, uh, I will say this. Uh, uh, the, the Yankee teams that I uh, was on, uh, we had zero problems as far as anybody that couldn't get, get along with everybody else. They had all good people. They had good ball players. We had we were devoid of any serious uh, altercations or, or arguments or anything else. It was a total team concept, and everybody subjected their own desires and their own goals to the what was best for the team, and that's why I think we were very successful. Now you went to college in an era when a lot of players did not. Was there uh, any difficulty meshing, you know, with the farm boys and folks like that on the big league team? Oh, not at all. Uh, as I said, they were all good people. And, uh, yes, there were different levels as far as education was concerned, but at the same time, uh, they were all good individuals. And it was just a pleasure and a delight to be with all of them. Uh, they were just good guys. I see that you didn't start saving lives when you became a doctor, that when you are in Stanford there was a plane crash and you got a medal for saving a Coast Guardsman's life? That occurred, I guess, in May of 19, uh, 1943. And uh, I was on the beach, and another Stanford student and myself uh, were able to swim out to a, a, a plane that had crashed right in front of us about four or 500 yards offshore. And uh, there was a survivor that was floating in the in the ocean uh, and not moving, and we could see that he was pretty helpless. And so the two of us went out and were able to bring him on into shore. The pilot, he was a radioman. His last name was Kind, K-I-N-D, and uh, he survived and went on to continue serving in the Coast Guard in the World War II, and uh, we still exchanged Christmas cards. The pilot was killed. His body washed up on the shore, I guess, two or three days later. But uh, he never did surface, and we never did uh, uh, catch a glimpse of him. It was a tragedy, but at the same time, we had the one survivor who did extremely well, both uh, during the war and post-war. In college, did you say to yourself, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a ball player? What was that time like for you? Well, uh, I was always a decent student, and uh, I was a pre-med at Stanford, uh, and but uh, I loved to play baseball, and, and you know, I could... I played very, fairly well, and 
uh, I just felt that uh, there wasn't any reason that uh, uh, I couldn't try to do both, and fortunately it was a- I was able to do that. And then I see that your roommate for the Yankees was Yogi Berra, and there was a famous story that Yogi was reading a comic book, and you were reading a medical book, and Yogi asked you how it turned out? Well, that's correct. But the Yogi and I room when we were at Newark, and at the end of that Newark season in 1946, uh, Yogi and uh, Vic Rashi, myself, and an outfielder named Frank Coleman all went up to the Yankees to finish out the season. So uh, the Yogi and I were together for a long time, as, as, as we, and we were with Vic Rashi also. So, you know, you knew Yogi Berra before he was Yogi Berra. Did, did you have any idea he would end up being a Hall of Fame catcher? Well, you knew he could really play. There wasn't any question about that. Uh, he was a terrific hitter, uh, and he just continued to get better as a catcher. And, of course, after about three years with the Yankees and whatnot, he was as good as they could get. Uh, he had tremendous ability. He was not only a great hitter, he was a, he was, he became a great catcher. And the, the thing that, that, that people forget about, uh, Yogi was that he was, uh, he, he had good, he had good speed. He was, he could run well. And he never had to be taken out for a runner. So he just was durable. He was, uh, easy to get along with and was, had terrific, uh, baseball ability. We interviewed Bill White and we also interviewed Jerry Coleman, and both of them both said that don't underestimate Yogi Berra. This guy is a baseball mind. He knows that game backwards and forwards, and there are few people who know baseball like he does. I would I would totally agree with that. There's nothing wrong with Yogi's mind. But to look at him as a ball player, he, he wasn't physically imposing. He's about, what, 5'8", maybe 165 or something? He wasn't 165. When he played, he was about 198. Oh. He was he was one muscle from the head, his head to his, his feet. He was extremely strong, and uh, and as I said, he had great mobility, and he had a great arm. He had all the tools, the physical tools. He just didn't look like he had them, but he did have them. And then you had Mickey Mantle, who just looked like a chiseled sculpture there. I mean, that guy could do everything when he came up. Well, Mickey, Mickey probably had as much talent as anybody that ever broke into baseball. He had just uh, tremendous speed, tremendous power, and uh, he could hit from both sides. Uh, he just he had the whole package. Could you tell early on in Mickey's career that you know this guy is someone special? Well, first when you saw him the, the, as a 19-year-old when he came up to the major leagues, you just knew he, uh, unless he, he got hurt, which which is what happened. But at the same time, you just knew that he had all the the, the great attributes of, of of a tremendous star, and it, and of course he. He he satisfied those predictions, even though that he played most of his career under t- terrific uh, physical handicaps. What was your favorite moment in uh, baseball? Oh, I don't know. I uh, I I have lots of favorite moments. I think uh, uh, I know in the in the seventh game of the '47 series, I got a big hit early in the game that uh, helped us win that game, and. Uh, I got some other hits in the World Series uh, in the '49, and the other uh, that that were very satisfying. I just had some 
I just had some great experiences with the Yankees. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play much in uh, 52 because uh, I got there on opening day uh, and uh, I was going to be drafted back into the Army in, 50, in, in July, so I was used very sparingly. And then I was in the service uh, in Korea, in Japan, uh, from uh, 52 to 54, and I came back and only played a, a couple of months, and I went into my residency. And again, I just hadn't touched the ball while I was in the service, except for the first month I was in there. And uh, I went on into medicine in 54, and I was, I guess, uh, still 29 years old when I quit. How were you able to continue your studies while you were still playing? Well, I, I was able to uh, I was able to arrange with the school uh, that that uh, I was back in school four days after the season ended. That's how long it took me to get to New Orleans. Three days, and on the fourth day, I was back in class, and I could stay until uh, sometime in April. Usually, sometime between the second, uh, the first and second weeks of April, I would be able to get off and join the Yankees. But I, after 1947, I never did get to spring training much on time. And then I interned the same way. We had to intern for a full year when you finished medical school in those days. And uh, I was able to secure an internship that allowed me to intern six months a year. And it took me two years to get the one year in. So I was able to combine both, and uh, and I was I, I was very fortunate. I I'm, I was tremendously indebted to Tulane, where I went to medical school, because uh, no one had ever done that before, and and they realized it was something that was a little unusual. But at the same time, uh, they put up with me, and uh, I've always been very faithful to them ever since. Baseball's changed a lot from when you played. I mean, it used to be people had off-season jobs, were salesmen, either selling insurance, cars, or were in other professions. You became a doctor. Do you think that it should go back to that, that these players are making so much money in such a short time period that basically they're kind of losing perspective what's important and what's not? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, certainly... Uh the idea that uh, baseball players, if they have a certain amount of ability in this day and time, can make almost as much money as they'll need for the rest of their lives if they can keep it, uh, makes a big difference. But uh, I think for many of the the players that there's there's certainly has to be a life after baseball and. And I think that uh, just to sit around and not do anything for the rest of their life after they're through, they're through playing ball, I think that would be a disappointment for a lot of them. They have to do something that really contributes to society, I would believe. And uh, I think they all should keep that in mind. Now, I'm old enough to remember when Will Harridge was the president of the American League and Ford Frick was the president of the National League. And I... I like the fact that there were two distinct separate leagues. What do you think of the consolidation where there's no longer league presidents and it's just the commissioner's office? Well, uh, I think the disadvantage of that, of course, is it was tremendous rivalry between the two leagues. But at that time, of course, they didn't have free agency. And uh, it was more difficult to trade uh, uh, interleagues uh, than it is now. So that... 
the you when you, if you played in the American League, you were an American leaguer. If you played the National League, you were a National Leaguer, and that label was with you forever. And uh, there was always a tremendous amount of uh, discussion and arguments as to which league was superior to the other. And they were they, they would um, uh, they would argue which umpires were better than the others, and so forth and so on. And and the All Star Game for wars, uh, and as well as were the World Series. Not that they're not now, but at the same time, I think the rivalry at the, at the time when the two leagues were separate and. They didn't have free agency, and it was more, much more difficult to trade between leagues. That uh, I think the uh, the the feeling between the two leagues was such that uh, uh, the fans uh, were divided, and there was tremendous uh, uh, interest in uh, which league uh, was superior at the time. And of course, it went back and forth as to which one was. How did you become president of the league? Well, it was in, I was getting ready to turn 60, and I'd been practicing for 25 years, and I was I was beginning to kind of wear out. And, uh, and at the initially, the, the the ownership at the Rangers at the time asked me if I would be interested in in um, applying for be the commissioner. Bowie Kuhn, I think, had been uh, they had. Uh, uh, decided to make a change and they were looking for a new commissioner so I said well you know I'd, I'd be willing to talk to the people and so I interviewed for a couple of times but uh, they then told me which was a good decision really on their part that they were looking for a businessman to be commissioner and of course I was a doctor I wasn't a businessman at all and uh, they selected Peter Ubroff which was an excellent choice and he was fresh from the, saving the Olympics in Los Angeles, and uh, he did a great job as commissioner. And uh, they asked me if I would consider being president of the American League, and Lee McPhail assured me that was a baseball job and I would enjoy it, and he was totally correct. What part did you enjoy and what part did you not enjoy as uh, American League president? Well, I, I enjoyed pr pretty much everything. Uh, you know, for me, it was a... It was a great change from from medicine. The the the, uh, the problems were different. The pressure was different, and uh, I just enjoyed it. And I was very fortunate. I uh, I had good ownership throughout the league, and and uh, I thought we did you know reasonably well as far as staying out of a big trouble. And and I just it was just a really a great experience for me. It was ten years of. Uh, of enjoyable life. Was there any talk when you were president of the American League about getting rid of the designated hitter or expanding it to the National League between the league presidents and the commissioner? Well, I was never in favor of the designated hitter. And uh, each each year I would take a straw vote to see how many owners favored it and how many didn't. And it was just a, an extemporaneous thing. It wasn't anything that was... Uh, set in stone or anything, and and when I quit, it was a, the the ownership was beginning to uh, vote in favor of uh, doing away with the the designator, but it never got to the point where uh, we could do it officially or try to do it officially. It was a I think a striking issue with the the baseball union, and everybody knew that, and I think that. 
that, that exists to this day. So I personally have never liked the, the designated hitter. Uh, I think the average fan does because they think that the, the, there's more scoring and they, they enjoy that. But uh, I like the, the, the idea that uh, if you got nine guys playing, they all have to play. And but that's my own personal uh, my own personal opinion, and uh, which isn't worth much anymore. <laughs> well, and also when when you have no designated hitter, you you tend to have a little more strategy in the game. It seems, you know, the American League manager can just sort of roll out his lineup, but the National League manager has to think about pitching changes and things like that. Well, I think the, the the big difference in baseball with the other sports is the substitution factor. Uh, in baseball, if you make a substitution, you lose the guy, the, the man that you're 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 taking out of the game, and so uh, everybody that plays in the game, you have to always count up their pluses and minuses and whether they should be in the game or out of the game. But uh, I think that uh, it puts a, a, a prerequisite on the fact that if you're outside of pitching, perhaps uh, if you're going to be a ball player, you've got to be able to do uh, lots of different things. Uh, you, you know, you got to hit, you got to feel, you got to catch the ball, you got to be able to run, you got to do all of those things. Whereas in the other sports, if you have certain talents, you can subject them to the, the 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 proper conditions in the game, and you can put them in to take advantage of those, and then pull them out just as soon as that uh, the the need isn't there. And uh, I think that makes the other sports different than baseball, and I think it makes baseball harder to play. Is there a reason why in '92 or '93 that you presented the World Series trophy to the Blue Jays instead of the commissioner? Oh, I, I don't. No, I don't think there was anything. I think it was a matter. Of if if I did it, I don't even remember doing it. But it was a matter of just convenience. That was all. There was nothing, nothing behind it at all. What do you think of baseball expanding its playoff format to add an additional wild card team this year? Well, again, uh, I think that. The, the big advantage that we had when we played with the the team that won the most games and uh, uh, the, the, was the was the the ultimate champion. So you always had the two best teams playing. Uh, I think the playoffs uh, did away with that. But at the same time, I think the fan interest is maintained uh, uh, to a to a very high degree because of the playoff situation. And I think. I think the fans themselves probably enjoy that uh, more than the uh, the old way that we did it. I think as a purist, uh, you, it was always nice to have the two best teams playing in the World Series, but I think now that uh, the month of September can be exciting for a whole lot more people because their team might be in the playoffs. Do you think that Pete Rose or she was Joe Jackson, either one of them will ever get in the Hall of Fame? I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, we talked to Moose Gowran last year before he passed away, and he mentioned that every year he would get closer and closer to home plate at the Yankees' old-timers games. Do you go to those games at all? The the, the old-timers games? Yes. Do you still go to them? Yes. If I'm invited, I go, and they've been very nice to invite me. I can't play, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to be 88 in a month, but... Uh, 
at least I go there and try to hide so I don't get hit with a ball and get hurt. <laughs> you, you can still move fast enough to not get hit? Well, hopefully, yes. How did you end up in Dallas-Fort Worth to practice medicine? And when I was in medical school, I became very good friends with the uh, doctor that was uh, older than, and ahead of me. He was a senior resident in internal medicine at Tulane in that charity hospital, and we became very fast friends. And he was very helpful to me as a, when, as a student. And uh, our, we maintained our friendship, and then he went to Fort Worth to practice. He took a position uh, after he got it through with his training, and he was in Fort Worth practicing. And about the time that I got through with my training, uh, he had switched his uh, practice to doing cardiology, and I had uh, had some an extra year of training in cardiology. They didn't have any formal residencies at that particular time in cardiology. But uh, I wanted to practice that, and so he was looking for a partner, and he called me, and I said, "You bet, I'll join you." And I, and the fact that it was he'd have been in Nome, Alaska, or anything, anywhere else, I'd have joined him because we were that close. And I came to Fort Worth, and it was a great move. It's a great place to live, and I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. You've seen a lot of changes in cardiology from the time you started till now. Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous, and uh, the, the intervention uh, techniques and what they can do now, of course, is just uh, borders on the miraculous, and it's just uh, it's just terrific what they're able to accomplish. Was there one pitcher that you enjoyed facing during your career? No, they were all tough. <laughs> Did you have a favorite teammate? No, as I said, you know, of course, uh, uh, as you probably know, that uh, I grew up with uh, Jerry Coleman and, and uh, Charlie Silvera. We're all the same age. We all played together in San Francisco. We were in different high schools and played against each other. But on the weekends, we played together, and, uh, of course, we were on the Yankees together. So uh, we've been we've been great friends, all of us, since we were 16 years of age, and uh we're going to have a reunion in a couple of weeks. They're honoring Jerry in San Diego, and Charlie and I are going to be there to, to be with him. So that's fine. But all of my teammates uh, on the Yankees were, were good friends, and we've stayed uh, in pretty close contact uh, throughout our lives. And, of course, a lot of them are gone now. But... Uh, it was just uh, it was just a wonderful bunch of people that uh, we stayed uh, in communication with uh, throughout uh, most of our adult lives. You got to get Jerry Coleman though to do one thing. We interviewed him last month, and he mentioned that he has never flown a plane before or after the war, which is shocking, being that he's been based in San Diego for years. You got to convince him to get behind those controls one more time. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd, he'd be the biggest menace that ever had even got into an airplane <laughs> tell him I said that Elliot another great show you brought the lovely lady I brought the former athlete let's keep it that way shall we thanks for listening we want to thank our guests Paul Lastra and Dr. Bobby Brown and our sound man extraordinaire Dave Olson thanks for listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com 